Hello, this is Daryl here, sending love as always. Thank you for tuning in. I just want to say, if you like this interview, you can check our website for companion workbooks, action guides, tools, checklists, templates, and show notes with links for everything mentioned on the call. Just visit bestbusinesscoach.ca. That's best, B-E-S-T, businesscoach.ca. Enjoy. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us. My name is Daryl Urbanski, your host as always. And today we are talking with self-made gold buying and selling millionaire, real estate development self-made millionaire, and transportation industry self-made millionaire, Edwin Carrion. After four years in the Marines, Edwin became a real estate developer, made millions, and then lost it all during the 2008 market crash. Then within two years, he had 14 stores based on buying and selling sold throughout the country, allowing him to retire in 2014 at the age of 36. He then decided to go back to real estate where he built and sold another company for millions before jumping into the transportation industry and growing the business he bought from 2 million to 12 million US dollars. And I've asked him to join us here today to talk about his journey, plus the skills, habits, and principles, which not only let him survive, but also thrive even in a down economy. So Emma, thank you so much for joining us, my friend. How are you doing? Hey, Daryl. Good evening. How's everybody doing? Thank you for having me here. Yeah, it's an honor and a pleasure. Now, my first thing I want to ask is before we get into the specifics, how did you even fall? I mean, you went to the military in the beginning. How did you get into business? Like, do you, do you come from an entrepreneurial family? Did your parents inspire you, inspire you to start a business? How did you get started? Yes, I, I, I was raised by a single mother and she was always into business. She was always doing things on the side. It, when we lived in Ecuador, I was born and raised in Ecuador until I was 12 years old. And uh, in Ecuador, she used to work at a hotel, but she always do little things on the side to make money. So I know that I got the entrepreneurial spirit from my mother and always, you know, we were left. She came to the United States when I was around eight years old. She left me and my brother back in Ecuador until she could bring us to the United States. And uh, that's, I, I, I could say that I started being an entrepreneur at that time because she used to send me like those gummy bears, that's vitamin gummies. And I used to go to school. And I remember I will sell those gummies to my friends because, you know, he came from the United States and everybody wanted something from the United States. That's cool. And also my mom used to pay for me to have ice cream in school every day. And instead of me having the ice cream, what I will do is I will sell, sell my ice cream spot to a friend of mine that couldn't get it. So I'll sell it to them and they'll pay me later. And I remember all of this, you know, being very young, you know, at that time I was like around eight years old, nine years old, and I was doing these things. So I definitely, you know, give all the praise to my mother as far as me getting the entrepreneurial spirit from her. That's awesome. That's awesome. That's a great, I love that. That's such a great story, you know, and that's, it's true. I mean, that's the skills you develop. It's just that simple, right? Like you're just helping people. And so in your professional career, what have been some of the hardest lessons or the biggest challenges that you've had to face? Well, I mean, there has been so many, so many throughout, I, I will say my career. But one of the most, one of the biggest lessons that I, that I, that I always have in my head is that after all the struggle, after all the hard work in having success and losing it all, number one was learning the fact that if I was successful, one, I could always be successful. So I'm not afraid anymore of losing because I know I could always do it again. That's my number one. And my number two thing is to always stay humble. 
because once I made millions, like you mentioned, you know, I made over $20 million in real estate as a developer after leaving the Marine Corps. And once I lost all the money, I, you know, it kind of, it humbled me into, you know, maybe I was a little bit cocky at that time. And then I really realized that, you know, I always have to be humble. And one thing that I learned throughout the years, you know, it doesn't matter who you are. If you're you're a humble kind of person, whether you have money, you don't have money, it just exemplifies. The money only to ask is exemplifies the type of person that you are. Mm. So if you're a jerk, you're just going to be a bigger jerk. If you're a nice person, you're going to be a nicer person when you have more money. I love that. I love that. Yeah, I, I translate that. It sounds like like when you say if you're successful once you can do it again. It's kind of like Jim Rohn used to say, you know, you should you should, you know, making a million dollars is a worthy goal, not because of the money. You can give the money away, but because of the skills and who you become. Because like you said, if you can make it once, you develop those skills, the discipline, the habits, the routines, you can make it again. So I love that. And and the humble part, because you have to appreciate your blessings, right? Like it's that sounds I mean, you don't, if you don't respect it, the Chinese have a saying, they you can't keep wealth past three generations because the first one earns it, comes from a struggle and earns it as self-made. The second generation witnessed their parents struggle, respects it and preserves it. And the third generation knows nothing but wealth and luxury and squanders it. And so I, I think that's really powerful. So now with that, do you have any advice to anyone that might be listening if they're like, just either starting out or maybe they're struggling and in a bad place. Would you have any like practical advice for them and steps to take, like how to get, you know, get away from the overwhelm or the chaos and, and kind of get back on track? Oh, definitely. Definitely. Yes. I, I, I do. There, there's a simple blueprint that I follow and I didn't create this. It's just very basic, but I follow this every time that I start a new business or I jumped into a new venture. And, and it's plain and simple, and, and I just kind of to break it down into layman terms, you know, I always give everybody the example that if I want to get from Miami to North Carolina, if somebody tells me today, Edwin, I need you to go to North Carolina, and I just jump in my car, eventually I'm going to get there. But I never know when I'm going to get there or how I'm going to get there. But I know somewhere around the line, I'm going to figure out how to get there. So that's number one. Number two, if you have a map, the map is going to tell you exactly what road to take. But the map, just like back in the day, you don't know exactly. Also, you go kind of do some math and figure out how long it's going to take you to get there. But you really don't know. So nowadays we have so much technology and so much access to mentors and people like that. That to me, having a mentor is like having a GPS. That once you put in the address where you want to get to, it's going to tell you how fast you're going to get there and when you're going to get there exactly. And to me, I think that's one of the main things that I learned and I, I was able and fortunate enough to have throughout my journey that I always kind of had a mentor in every business that I have done. And, and most of my mentors have been technical mentors and I've been blessed by God to be the business type of has. So I have the business knowledge, but I always tend to find a technical mentor or a technical business partner in the ventures that I go into. But my two main things that I follow is, like I said, number one, creating a business plan. Having the business plan is like having your roadmap, telling you where you want to get, what you want to do, and when you want to do a buy. And your number two thing is you want to make sure that you have your cash flow sheet. And a lot of people forget about this, and this is like one of the most important things in business, is creating a cash flow sheet. The cash flow sheet is going to tell you, if I want to make a million dollars in a year, what do I need to do to make a million dollars? It kind of helps you work backwards. It tells you, okay, 
in order to make a million dollars, I need to make at least $700,000 per month or $600,000 per month. But in order to do $600,000 per month, I need to have X amount of clients where I need to sell X amount of product. So that's, those are the two main things that I always do as a new venture. I love, I love that. And I'm actually looking at, hold on, how million, I have an infographic that I have, where is it? I have this infographic on my thing and it's like how to make, yeah, here it is, how to make a million. Let's break this down for some people because you gave them some great things. You said it was 600,000 per day. You need to know what it will take to make a million. So if you sell a $200 product, that's 5,000 sales. If you sell a $500 product, that's 2,000 sales. A $1,000 product is 1,000 sales. And if you were to do like a subscription, then you need 5,000 people paying you $17 a month for 12 months. You need 1,000 people paying you $83 a month for 12 months, or you need like 250 people paying you thirty-three or $333 a month for 12 months. I, I love that. That cat, like have a projection. No, no. Right. Like it's, it's, it's math. It's, it's a math is an amazing thing that allows us to do projections like cash flow projections. Like you're saying, predict yield crop yields from farming, all sorts of things. And so I love that. So let's just say this again, your simple three-step blueprint is one, have a plan to have a mentor and three, have a cash flow sheet, basically breaking down what you need to do. And I, and can you explain what's different between having the plan and the cash flow sheet? Is there a difference or is this kind of that same thing? No, no, it, it, it's a huge difference because having a plan, a plan you're just putting in the plan, what are your goals? What is it that you want to do? So on the business plan, I'm going to say, okay, this is my company name. These are my values. This is what I'm trying to accomplish. I'm trying to build a multi-million dollar company because I want to do whatever I want to do on it. But the cash flow sheet, it's all about numbers. So you put in there, what are your expected expenses or how much money are you going to have to spend to run that business for a year? And then based on how much money you need to spend, then you kind of want to figure out how much money do you want to make in a year? So if you want to say, I want to make a million dollars, but you're spending $600,000 in a year, then you didn't make a million dollars. Now you have to sell a million and a half to make the million dollars. And the cash flow sheet is going to tell you all of that. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. So now this is your simple. And there are, for your listeners, for your listeners, I'm sorry, for right. your listeners, I have a cash flow sheet that I could provide, like a sample cash flow sheet that I could provide to your listeners if anybody wants one. Yeah, how do they get that? Just have them email me at edwin at millionairegoldbuyer.com and ask for the cash flow sheet, and I'll be more than happy to share it with them. That's fantastic. I'd love for you to send me that as well. I think at the end of this, I'll, I'll give you my email address. Can you say your email address one more time? Edwin at millionairegoldbuyer.com. Perfect. So it's E-D-W-I-N at millionairegoldbuyer.com. So now what are some of the biggest mistakes you do see people making? So maybe they've kind of got like, you know, when you look at your friends and the people around you, maybe they've heard your advice and they kind of, okay, I got some goals and, you know, I got a mentor, maybe in a cash flow sheet. What do you see as the biggest obstacles where people get stuck? Not believing in their business and always having a plan B. And I think that's one of the biggest mistakes you could ever make because the moment that you have a plan B, you're doubting your business, you're, you're not giving it a hundred percent to what you want, to what you want to accomplish. I love, I love that. I, Arnold Schwarzenegger did some sort of speech about that. And he was like, I hate plan B because if you have plan B, it means you're not committed and that's, and you know, and 
it's okay to fail. People have a plan B because they're afraid of failure, but failure is not a bad thing. Failure is how you learn, right? You'd never be able to be like Kobe, you know, bless his soul. He would have never been that great if he was afraid to miss a shot. But the problem is if you don't, you just, the commitment's such a powerful thing. I love that. I love that so much. So what are some of the habits? Like, do you have daily habits or weekly habits that you think have been critical to your success? I, I really don't. I, I wouldn't say habits. It's just, you know, having the passion, having the drive to accomplish my dreams. A lot of people, and, and one of the things that I always preach to people and I tell people when they tell me, oh, I want to make money because of my family. Oh, I want to do this because of my daughters or my kids. And and at the end of the day, no, you don't want to do any of that because of anybody else. You want to do it because of you. The reason I build businesses and I do what I do is because of me, because that's my goal. My daughter's only goal, she could care less if I make a million dollars or a hundred dollars. I thought right. all she wants me is to be with her every single day and play with her. Right. So in order for me to have that, to be able to have that freedom to be with her as whenever I feel like it, I have to have my own business. And in order for me to be able to travel and fly planes like I do, become a pilot and or take a month off when my first daughter was born, I needed to become successful in my business. And what do I need to do that? I need to work a lot. I need to make sure that I have no plan B and I make sure that I'm very successful and always continues learning. Continues learning. I love that. So what are you really passionate about right now? As far as personal stuff or business stuff? Oh, business stuff. Business stuff. Business. Okay. We're well, talking all about this. Okay. What am I passionate about? I love teaching. It's always been one of my things, teaching, educating people, mentoring. That's one of my biggest passions. I think that's, and it's not something that I thought I was passionate about, but it's something that, oh, a lot of people always kept telling me, it's like, you know, you're very good at this. You motivate people. You talk to people and this, you, you, you inspire me. And I get hundreds of messages through Facebook, you know, my Facebook groups or just regular Facebook telling them that. I inspire them. So kind of that built up on me and, and I became very passionate about that because I noticed that everybody counts on you. A lot of people seek out to me for advice and certain things, especially with business related. Right, right, right. Is the, a lot of people are worried about the current state of the global economy. Are there any, what can, what would you recommend people do, I guess, to prepare for any sort of recession or downturn? I always say you have to be prepared and learn a trade that is going to survive the economies. Number one, I will definitely keep my spending to the minimum in order so when the economy, when, when we enter into a recession, it doesn't happen. You don't get caught the same way that I got caught. I was very overextended when I was in real estate. So when the economy went into recession and the real estate bubble burst, I lost all the money because I was very overextended, meaning that I had loans everywhere. And I lost everything. And that's the main reason that I lost everything. And I really learned from that. So from now on, every business that I do, I make sure that I, you know, my loans, that I don't have a lot of, a lot of leverage by having, by kind of having like a debt-free company. So that's one of the biggest things that I have done. And to be on a recession, you have to figure out what kind of businesses are recession-proof and learn from that. So you can always have the knowledge or you're able to jump into that. And the other biggest things that I can say is always have, you know, money available stashed away because when the recession and when you, when, you know, the economy goes into a recession, it's pretty much everything is on sale. 
You know, it's like when you go to Macy's or Bloomingdale's and you buy a shirt for 50, 75% off, you know, the economy, the world was like that. You're able to buy houses. You're able to accumulate a lot more wealth when we enter a recession. And what, what are some good recession like business? What kind of businesses in your experience are good to be in, in a, in a recession? Well, number one will be the, the gold buying business. You down because that's the exact same type of business I went into when in 2008 when the market crashed when the real estate bubble crashed and I lost all the money. I went into the gold buying business and it was a very the concept was very intriguing and very and I loved it a lot because I was always intrigued by jewelry, but it was a very simple concept. And what I loved about it was that to me I call it a win-win situation. Because when we buy precious metals from other people, instead of me selling something to somebody, I'm actually giving away money to them in order to helping them out on a bad times, on a bad recession, for them to be able to have some extra spending money or just money to pay whatever they need to pay. And then the second win is that I was also making money by buying those you know, precious metals from everybody else, those old unwanted and broken jewelry. And the last one is that the person that sold the jewelry to me and myself, once I melted all that, we were contributing to the environment by recycling gold. So how does that, I'm, I'm taking note, because I know that this is kind of your, your new passion is really, like you said, the gold buying business. And I think you've even said this is also a really good kind of side business for anyone that's looking for something as a, like a side means, like a, an evening and weekend thing. Maybe they have a full-time job or something. So you said you buy old and wanted broken jewelry and how you melt it down. How does that, how does that business work? I mean, I think it's very fascinating that you started a business that made you millions during a recession when people were losing their shirts in their homes. Correct. Correct. And, and it all started, I had, again, like I said, I always, one of the things that I get is always either have a mentor or a te technical business partner. So I had a good friend of mine from the Marines. He called me, he was in the jewelry business and he called me up and he told me, Edwin, I have a great business opportunity. So I asked him, what is it? So he explained to me, he's buying and selling gold, precious metals. So I asked him, I'm like, what exactly do you mean? Just like you asked me right now. So all he said is like, all we have to do is buy broken and unwanted jewelry. And once we buy it, we melt it down and we make money and we give away money to people. So I love that idea. And I really fell in love with that because you know, it's not like we're trying to sell something to people, especially by the economy. We're actually helping people out. Right. Once I created that business, I love the business model. So how, and I think, I think, sorry, I, I didn't mean to interrupt you. I think what I'm curious about though, is you went into this when you lost everything. So you didn't necessarily have the cash to be giving away cash to buy precious metals. Oh, no, no, no. I was broke. I mean, I had no money. And it was funny because he, I asked him, so how much money do we need to start this business? So he told me we need $300,000. So what I did is I didn't have the money. And the only reason we needed the $300,000 is because we wanted to start big. This business, you could start with very little money or no money at all like I did. And what I did is I raised $300,000 from family and friends within a month. And, you know, we started the business with big, you know, went to a big store. We rented a huge retail space inside a mall. And, you know, we, we hired like around 10 employees to work for us. We spent a lot of money in advertising and, you know, we went ahead and, you know, we were buying around $500,000 every weekend. 
Wow. That's fantastic. So, all right. Well, so is this, this is a recession-proof business that you would recommend to anyone? Yes, there's definitely a recession-proof business. When there's a good economy, a lot of people start to accumulate more more jewelry. And a lot of people start getting rid of jewelry that they little longer want because it, it's less of a sentimental value. When we're into the recession, people get rid of their own, of their jewelry, either, even they're broken and don't want the jewelry because now they have a small need. But they might just want the extra cash. And like I said, right now, this is not my business because I, I sold my company in 2014. But I still buy gold from friends that I know. Family calls me up and friends. Just not too long ago, I bought $10,000 worth of jewelry from a friend of mine. And, you know, he's, he just had this. And when I was telling him that I, I launched a course teaching people how to buy and sell precious metals, He's like, oh, my parents passed away, you know, three years ago, and we have this box of, of jewelry, but we don't know if it's real or not. So I told him, he's like, bring it to me, and we'll look at it, and we'll see what you have. And sure enough, it was, you know, I gave him $10,000. He was happy. Wow. So, I, I mean, I, I know you got a course that it sounds like teaches all this stuff, but can you give us some tidbits? Like, so somebody, I, I know I'm intrigued. I know I'm intrigued. I know some listeners are intrigued. I've always been intrigued. I don't necessarily understand, like, the world of stocks. And precious metals. It's funny because I grew up, my dad was a geophysicist. He worked with Lamontang Geophysics, which is actually one of the best companies in the world for mining exploration. They basically help mines determine which way to dig. They do all sorts of like electronic readings and that of the land. And I actually did that when I was a teen, like hiking through the woods, trying to lay down copper wire to put a current through the ground so they can dig what's called a borehole. And they take soil samples to determine what's in the soil and what conducts at what rate. And then they, you know, take measurement readings to determine where the conductivity is and isn't and static to noise ratios, all this stuff. So I know that end of that, but I don't know the end you're talking about. And I mean, it sounds like, like, how do you, you melt it down in your kitchen? Like, this is part of the, like the details, like how is this a business for everybody? If you, you know, like if you, how do you know how to price it? How do you, how do you melt it down? Who are you selling it to? You know, like these are kind of the questions that I have right now in my mind. Okay. So let me ask you a question. Let me start by asking you a question. Okay. When you start a business that you sell a product, what is the hardest thing in that type of business? Typically, well, getting your first customers, I imagine. So, so finding your buyers, correct? So finding like, your, who, who are you going to sell the product to? Right. Okay. So in this business, it, you, ha- you don't have to worry about who you're going to sell the gold to because I'm the one that purchases all the gold from all my students. It doesn't matter what quantity it is. So finding your buyer, you'd never have to worry about that. You'll buy it all. I'll buy it all. (laughs) Now, so imagine how that is because in business, one of the hardest things in business is always finding clients, correct? Right. So in this case, it's very simple because you have the client that's going to buy all your inventory. So now the other part is when you walk up to a person and you tell them, and they ask you, what is it that you do? And this was when I was in the business, and this is what I teach my students to tell, to say, is that when they ask you, what is it that you do? Is you tell them, I give money away. Everybody wants to know what is it? How do you give money away? Because everybody wants some extra money, correct? Correct. So. And, and that's how you start. And everybody has 90% of the population, they have jewelry. And when I tell you what kind of jewelry do we buy, we buy broken and unwanted jewelry. And I'll put an example. For example, your wife, your wife might have a couple of earrings that she lost one and she kept the other one. She might have a broken bracelet or she might have a chain that she no longer wears. 
those are the jewelry that sits in, in drawers, in jewelry boxes that we buy. And then, so I guess the next step, if, I mean, what? I know you have a course, but right now that sounds like a great blueprint you're giving. So you're the buyer of all inventory. All people listening to this have to say that to get started is I give money away. And when they're like, how is that? Oh, I'll buy your broken, unwanted thing. Like you said, uh, maybe you've got a lost earring or a broken bracelet or something. How do people know how to price it, how to, and how to melt it down? I'm still like at those parts. Oh, okay. So they don't have to melt it down because normally once they buy the jewelry, they'll send it to me and I'll take care of the melting. So they don't even have to melt it down. All they have to do is buy the jewelry because a lot of times what happens is and and, and, this, and I always like to I always like to teach by examples, by you know real life scenarios. I, I before I got into the business, this my same my same friend, my same business partner, he sold me a ring, a couple of years back, a nice ring with a bunch of diamonds. He's like, oh, this ring is beautiful. It has like three carats of diamonds on top. It's like those little tiny diamonds. And finally, I love the ring that I ended up buying it from him from like for like around eight hundred dollars. I was so excited. I used to wear that ring. Until finally, a guy with my wife is like, oh, you look like one of those mafia guys. I don't like you with ring. <laughs> <laughs> I stopped wearing the ring. So once I stopped wearing the ring, you know, I started the business. And when I started the business, I'm like, hey, I got to support my business. So let me, sell my, let me sell my jewelry to my business. So, of course, when I'm going to sell my jewelry to my business, when I'm selling the ring, I'm only getting like $100 for it. I'm like, hey, I thought all these diamonds were worth a lot and this and that. So that's when I learned the value of gold and, you know, when you overpay and everything else. But, you know, that's pretty much it. You, you, my company bought a ring that it was still in good condition. So you really don't have to melt that because you could find an other buyer that might want to wear that ring. So there's two options in this business. You could sell it to me or you could take that nice jewelry that is now broken, that is just unwanted, and you could sell it to somebody else. Like when people get divorced, a lot of times... People, after they get divorced, what do they do? They take the wedding bands and they go on. And, and you take those wedding bands and you could just refurbish them and resell them again for higher profit. And how does the pricing work? Again, you are you watching the market value? And then, like, how do you determine? Yes. So, so the market value is just like the stock market. You know, you know how much this Apple is worth by Googling. The same thing. You could Google and figure out what's the spot market for gold. Now, there's a calculation that you have to do because every jewelry, every gold piece has a different percentage of gold or pure gold content on it. Just to give you an example, a 14-carat a piece is going to have 58% of pure gold. It's not necessarily means it's 100%. And an 18-carat piece of gold is going to have a 75% pure gold content. So then you figure out, so if the market is $1,000, and I'm just rounding up numbers to make it easier here. So if the market is $1,000 and an 18-carat piece is 75%, so now that piece is worth $750 if it weighs an ounce, because normally it goes by weight. If it weighs half, then that piece will be worth half of $750, which will be $375. So really, the business is in the, the businesses, I don't want to oversimplify anything, but it sounds like the crux or the, the critical leverage points in this business is finding the people that have the broken unwanted jewelry and just negotiating with them and finding a price you're both comfortable with, where you feel like you're going to make enough margin and they're happy with what they want. 
And it's not your responsibility. Exactly. It's not your responsibility to give them every penny that the, what they have is worth. It's to find out what they need the money for and what you can, you know, what, what they, what they want. Just give them what they want. Yes, exactly. And, and in this business, everybody pays between 50 to 60% of the market. And I made it very easy for them. I actually invested a lot of money and I created like my own gold calculator. So once people become part of my program, they have access to my exclusive gold calculator. So I just make it very simple for them. All they have to put in there, the, the type of jewelry it is, how much it weighs, and it's going to calculate automatically for them based on the percentage that they want to pay out. It's going to calculate everything for them. So I made it very, very easy and very simple. That sounds fantastic. So now, do you feel like anything ever really helped you back? in either this business or any of your other businesses? Anything that prevented you? We talked about mistakes people make. We talked about your principles for being successful, your, your simple plan. But did you find that anything ever really held you back from taking action and moving forward and making progress? No, nothing held me back. I was always very risky. And like I said, I didn't have a plan B. And that was my thing that when I, get, when I started doing something, I never had a plan B. I just continue going forward and forward and forward to make it, to make it happen, to prove to myself that I could get done. Right, 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 right. Yeah. I love that. I love that. So where do you see is the future of this? Like, where's the future trend of, of either the world economy or even this industry? Where do you see things going in one or two years? I mean, we're talking about the gold buying industry. So how do you see this, I guess, unfolding in, in the next one to three, five years? Do you see it decreasing? Do you see competition becoming more serious? Where, where do you think this is going? If we, if we enter into a recession, competition is going to get very serious. Just like it happened back in 2008, 2009, we were like, when I started my business, we were like almost the first gold buyers out in the market. And within a year, everybody was buying gold. You know, everybody went there, they had their stores, they were buying gold. And that's why I kind of created the course now, because I know that we had such a great economy so far and everybody had about the hottest thing right now around. But I think is you definitely need to learn a trade when not everybody's doing it, because if you're the first one in the market, that's when you take advantage of everything else. Right. If you're waiting until everybody starts doing it, until it becomes a fad, you just kind of miss the train. Right, right, right. Now, I can't, I don't know if this ties in so well, but I've had this question written down. I want to ask about your military experience and how that's either helped or hindered your business life. My military experience, I, it has, it's definitely helped. It's definitely helped. Even though I can, I, I had similar things ingrained in, my, in me since my upbringings, you know, you know, three things that I could tell you that I always confirm, I'm a firm believer of, it's, which is honor, courage, and commitment. So I'm very honorable and I do that in everything that I do. I'm always keep my word and I make sure that I do business the right way. I'm not here to, to take advantage of anybody. Courage, I'm very, I'm very courageous. And I said, the courage comes from not being afraid of doing something, just keep moving forward, not having a plan B, making sure that the plan that you have is going to work out and giving it to my 100%. And that goes with my commitment. You know, when I, I'm committed to, to, to someone, I'm going to be there until the end, you know. And, and I can bring that to my personal life as well because, you know, one of the things that I told my wife when we got married is like, look, I'm 32 years, 31 years old when we got married. I'm like, I'm 31 years old. I'm getting, getting married, but it's for life. 
you know, I'm, I'm making this commitment now. And, and in business, I'm the same. I'm committed to the business until I see it succeed. Once I know that it succeeded, that it runs without me, that I create the processes, I put the processes into, into place and everybody runs by itself. That's when I start dabbing into a new adventure, into something new. Yeah, I love that. Got it. Okay. So you feel the military really helped ingrain in you those the values of these three things. And that's served you incredibly well yes. in your business career. Yes. Yeah, I like I like to ask because and also also being a Marine, I mean also being a Marine, you know, you get that sense of pride because I, I and I'm sorry for everybody else that's listening that might be in another branch service, but you know, being a Marine, you're the best of the best. So once you become the the best, and you're told that you're the best, like there's no way of going back. Nice things with you for life. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. You know, it's interesting though when you look at the data of self-made individuals, they tend to have two things in common, or at least in, in, a, in a disproportionate amount. And one is military experience and or martial arts training. So I always want to, I like to ask that when I talk to veterans or even martial artists who have been successful, you know, like how that has contributed to their success. Cause I wonder what it is about those. I mean, I think part of it is the, the, the self-discipline, the commitment to mastery, the yes. understanding of, and like, you know, that it, it just, things take time, things take time and energy and effort. You know, it's, it's like, if you had to dig a hole, if you're trying to dig a hole for whatever reason, you're building, you know, you're putting in a fence. Like you got to dig the hole, like no amount of wishing and law of attraction, you know, and praying is going to get the hole dug, you know, like you just got to put in the work. And I feel like, you know, I just, I think it's a, I don't know if that's exclusive to those two trades, but there really is. When you look at the data, there's a disproportionate amount of people who are successful, who have either, or, or, you know, either of these or both of them and it's military and martial arts training. Do you, what would, what would your, I mean, I already said my opinion, but why would you think that would be? I think it's definitely discipline because you become very disciplined when you're in the military and it teaches you two things. It teaches you how to follow, how to be a good follower, but also teaches you how to be a good leader. So in order to be an effective leader, you definitely need to know how to follow. And once you learn how to follow and take criticism and learn from that, then you become a great leader. Can you talk about how to take criticism? Can you expand on that a little bit? And how does that serve you? Oh, big time. And, and that's one of the things that I teach as far as action is part of my core values in my, in my transportation company that we have to take criticism because constructive criticism, you know, sometimes we, we as humans, we always say we, a lot of times we use the word, I know, and that's like one of the most destructive words that we can use in, in life. Because we don't know everything. We could always learn something new, some new ways of doing things. And that's one of the things I always tell my employees. I know a lot of things and I have tried multiple things to figure out the best way for you to do your job. But if you figure something that it works better than this, let me know because I need to know. So I kind of give them the free reins to make the mistakes on their own. And then when they make the mistakes because they're trying to take a shortcut, then I, I go and I tell them, look, I have tried everything to make your job the best and the most efficient one. And that's why I taught you this way, because I have already gone through all those mistakes. But I never try to use the word that I know. I always constantly continue learning from multiple people. I have a group of, I'm, I'm part of this amazing mastermind group, which people are more successful than me. And I continuously learn from them a lot every single time we get together. 
I love this. This has been a, a, so much, so many nuggets here, so many really valuable things. I just want to recap at this point, you know, like stay humble, understand that the skills and the habits are important because once you've developed the ones that help you be successful once, you can have the confidence you can do it again. Your simple blueprint to success was know how you'll get there, have a plan. We talked about having a mentor, especially one that can give you technical details, like nuts and bolts, how to like the specifics. The general, people always want to hear, like even these podcasts, we, you know, we're at the 10,000 foot level, but the, the, the devil is in the details, so to speak. We talked about having a cash flow sheet to help people project what they need to do to make whatever their goal is, whether it's a million dollars or less. You even offered to share that with them. And again, what was the email? Edwin at millionairegoldbuyer.com. Edwin at millionairegoldbuyer.com if they want that. You also talked about continuous learning and having a trade that you can fall back on in any sort of economy, whether it's a recession. Talked about, you know, being smart, trying to have a debt-free company to limit your spending. Just like, you know, just, I don't want to say common sense, but, you know, just, just frugality, you know, just being money-wise. And, you know, and you recommended that people don't have anything to consider getting into the gold buying business. Because you can get into it, it sounds like for for pennies, get to into it almost with nothing. You'll buy their inventory if they can find. All you have to do is offer people to give free money, you know, for their broken unwanted jewelry. And even inside your program, you've got a calculator that will help them determine what they can afford to pay, which I think is fantastic. We talked about honor, courage, commitment, discipline, how to follow and lead and take criticism. Do you have any advice on that? On on working with a team? You, I mean, you gave a great tip there, like be open to feedback, but is, you, you know what I mean? Like, yes, yes. One of the biggest things that I, that, that I learned this year and, and it's actually, it didn't start this year. It started at the end of last year that I learned. I always used to give advice. I actually, I kind of stopped doing that because with my group that I'm with, when you give advice to somebody and they take your advice and they don't follow it the right way. They're always going to come back and blame you that because of you, I made this mistake or because of you, this and that. So one of the things that I learned is not to give any advice anymore. So now I just like to share from personal experience. So when people ask me, it's like, look, I'm having a problem with this. If, if I experience that in some way, I share my experience and how we came that. Because I think that's like the most, the best way that you, that people share mm. something and that is the best way that you can always maintain that relationship by sharing your experiences because only because if it happens to you and it worked out for you, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to happen for, for them or somebody else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's funny because before this call, we were talking about exercise and I now I feel good because I've actually been really bad. That's something I've been personally working on myself. I was one of those people that was really bad <laughs> unsolicited advice and it's bit me in the ass so many times. You know, and it's, it's, that's, that's great. But that's, yeah. Edward, <laughs> yeah. I don't know if you're talking to me, but it's okay. You didn't hurt my feelings. I appreciate the criticism. But I even said that because you're talking about at the beginning of this call, I would I asked Edward what he was grateful for. And he's like, oh, I got to work in today. Da, da, da. And I was like, oh, really? Hey, if you, you didn't ask for my advice, but if you wanted, I could send you, like I said that, but I, I hopefully I did it tactfully. I don't know. I was like, I can send you, I get guaranteed, but it works for me. See, yeah, even my daughter is excited about it. So she's laughing. <laughs> you know, it's funny because when I used to do real estate development and, and people started seeing me make, making all this money, 
everybody used to ask me, like, how do you do it? So I'll give them exactly step by step. And, and I could tell you, you know, I spoke in that I told over a hundred people how I did it, how I became a real estate developer and what I did. And out of those a hundred people, only one person did it. Only one person did it and they went all in and he became, and until now, he's a very good contractor, very good developer because he learned and he actually took action. Action. One of the biggest things that I notice nowadays that a lot of people, because we have so much access to knowledge, everybody's out there, you know, trying to figure out how do I do this? Or, or they, they look at people's success and they just reach out to them. And I'm like, how do you do this? And what do you do? Or how can I be like you? And I want to be like you. Or when you talk to them and you give them advice, you look back at their lifestyle or you, or, or you, or you can't, can't talk, you know, reach back to them, you know, three, six months later, they haven't done any of those things that you gave advice. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, that's actually been my experience as well. As I've had, I like you, I've helped clients make millions of dollars, and I've had clients that, of course, like have been failures. And I've, I've honestly spent the last two years diving into that, and I've really discovered it's exactly that. I, I love what you said when you look into their lifestyle. I feel like that's it. Like I'm a big believer in everything you want is going to come from how you manage your 24 hours every day. That's it. Like, I'm not going to accomplish anything tomorrow. It's what am I getting done today? Right? Like, that's really where, where you make it or break it. And I'm a huge fan of daily disciplines. I feel like anything that you want, I'm not a fan of like the whole, like, oh, I do it twice a week or once a week or three a week. Like, that's okay if it's a casual thing, like a hobby, you just do it for fun. But if it's something you're serious about, you need, it needs to be a daily thing. You're better off to do 15 minutes a day, every day, than once a week, put in six hours, in my personal opinion. Yes. Yeah. So, Edwin, this has been such a value packed, like really like grassroots nuts and bolts, how to get things done. Giving some great practical advice to people. Is there anything I didn't ask you that I should have asked you? I think you did ask. And, and one of the biggest things, like, you know, people ask me like, how do you buy gold? How does it work? In, and it's very simple. It's not complicated at all. It only takes four steps to buy gold and, and to test the gold. And I'm going to give away those four steps right now. And, and it's very simple. Step number one, you use a loop. Step number two, you look for the hallmark. Is it a 14 carat? Is it 18 carat? Or is it a 10 carat? Step number three, you do the acid test. All it is is you put acid into a little streak of gold, and it's going to tell you if it's gold or if it's not gold. And the last step is you know, we fall into the piece of gold to make sure that it's not gold plated. You know, that's how easy and simple it is to buy, you know, jewelry, broken jewelry, and just buy gold at the end of the day. That's, that's really powerful, practical advice. I love it. I love it. So that's it. People just need to learn those four steps. And again, you mentioned you had a course that's on this. How can people get more information? Just email you or is there a website or how do they get involved? Yeah, you could go to ownergoldbuyer.com. That's my website. Or you could follow me on social media, Instagram, Facebook, at Millionaire Call Buyer. Perfect. And of course, they can email you, Edwin, at MillionaireGoldBuyer.com. Yes. Edwin, thank you so much for joining us. It has been such an honor and a pleasure to just get to know you and your, and your process back again. And I think, like I said, people listening to this may want to listen to the call a second time to make sure they got it all and make sure it really sinks into learning. And of course, reach out to Edwin if you have any questions. 
Again, thank you so much for your time. I do want to be respectful of it. So hopefully we can maybe have you back on the show in a little bit. And just thank you so much for coming and sharing with us. Because I know you have your own mentees that you could be helping. Your own family you could be spending time with. So thank you for being so generous. No, thank you, Daryl, for having me. It was great talking to you always. This is not the first time we speak together. And I enjoyed every time we speak together. So thank you for everything.